I'd rather fly close to the sun and not fly at all. Mental toughness gets you so much further ahead. Society has done a, a very good job of telling women what they can and can't be. I was like, man, I wish I would record this. Man, people really need to have this conversation. What's up, everybody? This is Nico and Kaylin from Glasshouse Living, a.k.a. Hubris 300 and Calypso Tough. Yep. And today, the name of our podcast is Hashtag Hubris Mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why is because I want to discuss what does that mean? Because it can mean a lot of different things, and it's coming from your brain, so I want you to explain that. Before we get into that first, we need a little bit of a backstory from you. Mm-hmm. So I'm just diving right in. I'm not trying to do no nicey stuff. <laughs> no, there's one thing, though. I do want to say I really, really appreciate all of the um, feedback that we've been getting. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that people are telling us what they want to hear from us, what they liked, what they disliked. We're good with constructive criticism because we just want to get better. Yeah. And so I want to thank people for that and also tell people that we are very open to that. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid to... Tell us that we are um, doing something or not doing something you want us to do or um, otherwise feedback. We love to hear that. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, That being said, before I um, go into what does hubris mean, I just want to know um, a little bit about you in general. Obviously, I already know, but I want to hear it from you for the first time again sort of thing. So first I want to know... Give me a recap of where you grew up, where you're from, what it's like there, and kind of how you feel like it built how you thought up to being about 16, 17 years old. First of all, this is really fucking weird to be on the (laughs) other side. (laughs) It is really weird because usually, you know, I'm the one that's orchestrating. Okay. Like, it's weird, but... That's okay. Well... From 16 on, I'm born in Cleveland, Ohio, um, 1990s, 90s baby. It was a good time when I was younger. Um, I remember, I guess you can kind of tell how my life went by how activity we got to have when we were kids. Like, it went from, you know, we can go around the whole entire block, you know, and ride our bikes around the whole entire block when we were little to, you know what, go to the end of the street. Then it went from that to, you know, five houses down. And it went to that to y'all stay y'all asses on the porch because people shooting too much and all that, you know. Um, but it was... Restricting? It, it, but it, <laughs> it was necessary to survive. You know, little kids was getting shot and still getting shot. It, it, it's kind of necessary. You know, my mom did what she... My parents did what they could to... Um, you know, put me in a better situation, but negativity just, uh, I couldn't get away from it. I think, um, you know, they tried to give me as much positivity as they could, but, um, you know, you go to school and you stuck wearing you know, old busted up shoes and all your other friends got nice shoes and it, it starts off like that, trying to fit in. I think that was my major thing. Um, I was molested in that period of time. Um, I went through a lot of a lot of mental things um, dealing with that as a black man being picked on. I was kind of more uh, talkative, I guess you could say, but just being as friendly as I could. You know, people took that. Uh, they took advantage of it. So that was the next. Gosh, I was a. I'm a. I'm a hopeless romantic, but I guess not anymore because you didn't got me. You know. Absolutely. <laughs> I was but looking no, for that. No, it was true. My parents were were both in a household. You know, and. In the book, I talk about how, in the book that I'm writing, I'm talking about how, 
you know, at one point in time, it was rough for me because my mom was going through her things, trying to be a server to everybody else and not really being appreciated. So, you know, that can take a toll on her. And um, I just wanted to help as much as I could. But, you know, I have my own shit. My brothers, they have their own shit. You know, my father. Because you're a baby. You're the baby. Yeah, I'm you the baby. Two so older, right, much so have, older brothers. Yeah, I have two brothers. Yes. Um, one Shout is, out to them. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they're doing their thing, both of them, man. Yeah, um, they are. But to be honest, m- me and my brothers didn't get along that well when I hit my teens, and that's when I felt like I needed them the most. My older brother went off to, you know, um, join the Army, um, and he got, basically speaking, sent over as soon as 9-11 happened. Um, my youngest, you know, he was going through a lot of things. Uh, my, I'm the youngest. My Your middle, middle brother, brother <laughs> you know, um, he was going through a lot of things mentally. And he, he was there for a huge support, but it was a period where now I understand that he needed to step away and take care of himself or attempt to find himself. And, you know, I can't judge him for that now. I have eyesight on it. Um, we grew up, <laughs> my mom cared for so many people, but we grew up in a, in a household of you always, you know, different kids moving in foster home kids. Um, she tried to adopt a lot of those turned out bad. And I'll be honest, a lot of that was ungratefulness. You know, when you have a kind heart, like my mom did, you know, it, it, does. it, it yeah, it does, you know, it, mm-hmm. it really, uh, people don't appreciate it. And, um, I took that from watching my mom care for people. And then my father, who was, I don't know how to call that motherfucker. He was like Morpheus, man. He's like Morpheus (laughs) and like Furious, like mixed together. Like both of them, like Boys in the Hood and the Matrix all in one. He's Um, quiet until something important happens. And then he's got a lot to say. (laughs) And then he's quiet again. But everything he says is very intelligent and very well thought through. And I, I learned a lot in that time being with my father because, um... I, I learned how to analyze things from a different perspective. Um, his favorite character was Spock off of Star Trek. And it was um, because Spock didn't, he thought with logic. But he still, in order to, for Spock, in my opinion, um, to be great, he had to realize that emotion is somewhat necessary. Emotion is what makes you human and Spock was half human. That's a nerdy trail, but yeah, shout out to my pops because I, I didn't see it when I was younger going through everything I was going through as we tend to all do as humans. Um, but I appreciate Yeah, I appreciate it now. I really do. I do appreciate it. Tell me, paint a picture of what it looks like if you drive through your city. Oh, it's survival. I think that was the biggest thing for me, like growing up in Cleveland when it got to that point, you know, um, crack epidemic and all that kind of hit. We, we was the kind of the, the tail end of that. Well, we saw a few of those when yeah, I visited and, last you know, time. They <laughs> around riding around saying trap house. He's like, trap house? <laughs> he thinks it's monster house. Yeah. Like the cartoon. He thinks it's that. And then we're like, okay, you just keep thinking that. You're only six. So yeah. just keep thinking that right yeah. now. <laughs> but no, man, it was it's crazy because, you know, it was dead bodies in abandoned buildings. It was dude kidnapping girls and, you know, shit. I think it was for a whole school year we couldn't find a girl body. And she was fucking buried in a ditch that we drove by and, you know, hung by all the time in the field. They just didn't do shit with it, you know? I mean, um, like, you know, me and my dudes, we had a little saying that, if, shit, if I don't see you again, it's a heaven for a G, you know what I'm saying? 
We just, you didn't know. I mean, you got to be, shit, I, I don't know, man. Back then, you couldn't be on the street. You couldn't be on your own porch without wondering if that car driving too slow. Why that car driving too slow? I ain't seen that car before. You know what I'm saying? And they do a double back. Your ass paranoid to this day. Like, I can't. I can't operate if people, you know, ride behind me for too long. Because yeah. motherfuckers ride up in your house. You know what I'm saying? My brother, you know, he got robbed in our driveway, yo, like at night. You your know what mom saying? recently experienced yeah, that. Yeah, my mom. And got... it was right down the street from your house, you know, just this last year. Yeah. And that was not good at all. And and it's interesting, you know, for our dynamic, not, I'm not going to go on a huge rabbit trail, but I didn't grow up that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up rich by any means, but I grew up what you would call lower middle to middle class and I didn't have to worry about what car was going where and who was where and of course obviously I was hyper aware of certain things but mm-hmm. not the same as you and so it's been a learning experience to but try see, to support that too yeah but see on the back on this is the backside. like understand where I'm where I'm at now in life where I came with that whole you know hubris mentality I think Partially because when you're when you're stuck in survival mode all day, and you poor as fuck, like it was it was a whole summer where PB and J I can't do peanut butter and jelly no more. I know you. You know what I'm saying? It, it's cer- like it. it was certain things like Popeyes. Like I, I had to say it right for camera because if I say the way I use my accent, Popeyes. Chicken, you know what I'm saying? Chicken pot. No, whatever. Pies. Yeah, Popeyes. <laughs> so you know that freezer yo that would be literally all we ate for the whole summer but we were still happy because at that point i think a lot of i figured out the things that you need to really live life and it was family so it became very important to me and i ain't talking about the family that you born with i'm talking about the family that you handpicked because i didn't seen you know just in my family i didn't seen you know people basically speaking put their grandmas in nursing homes and like not give a fuck i can't do that you know, do that to their mom and, and rape them for money and whatever else it can be. I can't do that. That's not in my heart. That's not what my mom and my parents instilled in me. So um, that's one of the things I took from it is just finding the good in, in the dark times. It's always good in every scenario. I I seen it when I, you know, went to the Navy. So that, that was another thing that really helped me appreciate being from a place that rough. Okay. Well, so kind of where I'm trying to go with that is, um, so you going through everything that you went through as far as that goes, you still were going to, you still were getting phenomenal grades up until a (laughs) certain point. You were going to private, or not private school, a magnet school, like you were like, you're doing the debate team and like you were, you were like really still doing a lot, but kind of tell me about how your mental struggles that you were kind of going through and still go through now mm-hmm. kind of affected that and how um, it kind of really stunted your growth for quite a few years until, I mean, obviously the last few years right. we really grown yeah. a lot. So kind of tell me about that. Well, um, honestly, I say it now with more confidence, and this is something I've newly been doing is uh, – Saying I'm bipolar, I, I now figure I have schizoaffective uh, disorder, um, PTSD. But there wasn't really, there were names for it when I was growing up. But that shit was like, oh no, he'll get, you know, he'll get over it, whatever. It, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't even spoke about. 
So I didn't know why I was like up and down one day, why I was so sensitive, why I wanted to, you know, act out. I, I couldn't place what was wrong with me. And, uh, it's unpredictable. Yeah, it was unpredictable. I didn't have control of my life. And, um, I lost a lot of friends because of it. <laughs> but, um, I think also it's because of my intelligence that continues to, got me through and continues to get me through. Um, but I think that you got kicked out of a school. Yeah, so, but this is, okay, no, so I got kicked out, that was the magnet school, which I, I will say that magnet school is, I, I think it now, because if I didn't go there, and I didn't get picked on, and I didn't have all those bad experiences, I don't think I could have unlocked the level, through pain, you, you really succeed, Yeah. through pain and suffering, as weird as it sounds, so many people run from it, but I, I couldn't run from it, it was coming at me from every angle, you know, I was like hopeless romantic. Uh, one of my exes, who I, you know, head over heels for, left me. At the same time, my grandmother died. At the same time, I'm still getting picked on. It was just a series of events. My brother had went off to the fucking war. I'm and worried about he's going to die. Which you, you already know, have yeah. enough emotions. So it's just, and, and you're trying to fit in. And I'm like in the awkward category of fitting in and standing out. And you were kind of a skinny guy. I, yeah, so. I refuse to say that. I don't care. I was strong. Uh, I had cracked. I got strength. a picture of you I, right now I could show where it shows that you are not. Um, you are not. I'm the strongest. So, yeah, I had a... So, all those issues, I think, um, I was just really intelligent. I just analyzed, and that's something I think I got from my parents, especially my father, um, is just to analyze. And I was always searching for the deeper meaning of things. You know, I was always helping other people, but... Um, is it safe to say that you might have been overanalyzing and making yourself insane? Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the problem with intelligent people. Like, the world... Oh, yeah. You know, try to does they do a good job of telling you, you know, you being in tune with your feelings or in tune with yourself is a bad thing. Like I used to shy away from it, but now, like that, that's what success. That's what successful people do. They accept um, whatever demons they have. They make a bed for it next to theirs, and they say, "That's where you gonna fucking sleep. You don't leave this room." And sometimes, yeah, the demons might creep through, and they do. Um, but you you got to get back in and wake up. Okay, so I've also talked to you a little bit about kind of the mindset of a lot of people that live and grew up and still are where you came from. And so going through everything that you went through, tell me about why did you leave? And not only why did you leave, but why were you and how were you more, I want to call it even brave for you to think it's possible to get out of here because... You have told me in the past, and I wasn't there, so I'm only repeating what you've told me mm-hmm. before, is that there's this whole, no one ever leaves the hood. No one ever leaves here. No one ever leaves this city. And, and it's just kind of this thing that's ingrained. Like, what made you leave, and what made you brave enough to leave? You gotta get sick and tired. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I looked around, and at the time, like I said, anybody who follow us know that, you know, um, YouTube was very crucial to me when I was younger. I was the kid that was watching documentaries and all this shit on success. So, um, I seen what successful people were doing and the successful shit that I saw was not in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Bone Thugs and Harmony wasn't in Cleveland. They came back to Cleveland. I mean, you can go down the list. Steve Harvey came back to Cleveland, but he didn't stay in Cleveland. So I, I just realized that that wasn't the place that I needed to be. Um, I had bigger goals. I, I just knew that 
I knew I wasn't going to fucking make it in Cleveland. It's the God honest truth. I believe, you know, in my heart, I'm going to go back and I'm going to help Cleveland. But Jay-Z said it best. I know it's, pro- it's problems in the world I know, but first I got to take care of the world I know. So I've heard of this saying that you can't be a prophet in your own city. Do you think that that's true? Like maybe you can once you leave and then come back. But if you start there and stay there the whole time, people don't take you seriously. People don't believe you. You know, that kind of thing. I'm just saying, uh, I'm not religious, but last I checked, Jesus just didn't stay where he was at. He didn't say, this is where I'm going to build my whole shit. Right. If you're trying to make something for yourself, you have to leave. You cannot get your name out there, you know, stuck in one place where you started. You little fish in a big, you're a little, big you're fish. a big fish in a little pond, you know. Um, there was no other option for me. Every Everything that was there was deaf, you know. I was like literally in the summer uh, watching movies because it was just, it was a crucial time. I just um, couldn't leave us. Yeah. <laughs> So you went into the military, which is a totally different rabbit trail that we might get into, but I want to get into some other stuff first. That's how I met you. You got stationed where we're at now, which is in Everett, and I met you like that. Um, But now that you've kind of explained a little bit of your backstory, tell me what does hubris mean and why is that what you picked out of everything that you could have picked to describe you and what you stand for and what your message is? Well, because I'm bipolar, it was, hubris is me, actually. It's from my favorite, I guess, fable story uh, of Icarus, um, the flight of Icarus. Um, the whole concept is basically speaking this guy and his father was trying to escape from prison. Um, they built wings to fly. His father warned him that if you get too excited, you know... Um, egotistical then the sun you'll fly higher and the sun will melt the wings if you fly too low you know um the the sea will wash you away and you'll die as well so the best thing to do is to play it safe um for some reason i just never was satisfied with that because i lived on both extremes by being bipolar when you're flying low and life got you beat, like, it fucking sucks. Like, you know, to fantasize about dying and the attempt suicide, that's also something that happened to me. Um, Whenever I think about the whole hubris thing, the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is um, Kanye West and just kind of how he just goes for stuff. And not everything always works for him. Yeah. <laughs> But a lot of, like, that that overly crazy thought process, you know, they say that successful people have to be a little bit crazy because you have to think different in order to get different results. And most average people are going to look at that person and be like, that person, that's crazy. What does that person say? Why are they saying, I can't believe they said that. Oh, my God, I can't believe they said that. And kind of buy into societal standards and, like, you hate all of that. You hate it all. Yeah. So, like, the hubris thing kind of, like, alludes to that, I guess. And so, talk about that from what I just said. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just studied um, successful people. And um, the biggest thing I noticed is that they were, you know, 
um, almost what society's view is egotistical. Like, you don't see LeBron saying, like, oh, no, Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. Like, but society wants you to do that type of shit. And everybody I, that we can follow now to this day believe they're the fucking, you know, uh, they're the shit. So, like Muhammad Ali? Yeah, Muhammad Ali. <laughs> I mean, the best thing he said, though, that I took that really helped me through my states was he said, um, I, I just, if I, I kept saying I was the greatest because if I can convince the world, I can convince myself. Um, so I feel like that's, that's kind of my mentality. Like you have to be your best cheerleader. That's the biggest thing about hubris is being your best cheerleader, um, against all odds and not taking no for an answer. If you want something in life, like you gotta, you gotta go for it. You only got one life to live. Mm. And I mean, live, you can, Mm. you can wake up every day, but you only have one life to live, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I think I just studied um, successful people, and um, the biggest thing I noticed is that they were, you know, um, almost what society's view is egotistical. Like, you don't see LeBron saying, like, oh, no, Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. Like, but society wants you to do that type of shit. And everybody I, that we can follow now to this day believe they're the fucking, you know, uh, they're the shit. So, like Muhammad Ali? Yeah, Muhammad Ali. I mean, the best thing he said, though, that I took that really helped me through my states was he said, um, I, I just, if I kept saying I was the greatest because if I can convince the world, I can convince myself. Um, so I feel like that's, that's kind of my mentality. Like, you have to be your best cheerleader. That's the biggest thing about hubris is being your best cheerleader. Um, Against all odds and not taking no for an answer. If you want something in life, like you gotta, you gotta go for it. You only got one life to live, mm. and I mean live. You can, mm. you can wake up every day, but you only have one life to live. You know, so that that's kind of it. Well, when it comes to like the hubris thing, it kind of goes into like you really want to like just be who you are. Don't try to like adjust how you want to be because you think other people want you to be that way. Um, And kind of also like being selfish, like providing for your own needs to first even like, so, so how does that, how, how does that portion of hubris kind of go in? Like being yourself, giving yourself what yourself wants. Like that came from me, from Garrett Morgan. Um, you know, the magnet school I went to because I try to fit in so much and, you know, it's weird because I was trying to fit in by standing out, but I was naturally acting as myself. It just wasn't accepted. And then I tried trying to tailor it um, to everybody else's needs and I did get a little bit of like popularity, whatever, but um, it wasn't where I really sat. So it caused more depression um, because I start lying about my image um, to try Mm -hmm. to keep up with the cool kid, keep up with the Joneses. And when you lie about your image, there's certain shit you got to do and do and do and do and do and do um, to maintain it. And that shit just, I see it now, but now now I see it. And, and a lot of celebrities now and a lot of people who are trying to build their profile, you know, they're doing whatever it takes. I call it a Lady Gaga effect. They're doing whatever it takes by wearing a meat suit, 
They do whatever it takes by going to, you know, slash some shit around on the floor of a grocery store so you can get a million views. But at the end of the day, you got people like Takashi 6 9 like he can't go back from what he did. Like he had to keep living up to a hype and now the motherfucker is snitching. Like, so you eventually you're going to have to live up to the shit you do. And if I don't live up to anything, I want it to be me just being me. I don't, I don't confirm, I don't, I don't agree with social standards. I don't want them controlling me. I want to think for myself. Therefore, I do for myself, you know, and anything else is extra after that. Well, in my experience, when you operate not in your natural state, um, it's a lot more work. Yeah, it is. It's a lot more I have to remember how to be. It's a, I'm trying to be an actor. I have to constantly act like I am on stage and I have to think yeah. about what I do versus just doing. Yeah. I think that's a, um, especially, you know, me wanting to help the youth because I feel like that's the most crucial time. Everybody is trying to figure out their own identity, but then, see, this is the thing. Society says you're free to be who you want to be. That's what, that's the image that they tell us as since we're kids. But then the parents are the one that are critiquing you for being who you are. That's the worst. Like you got your whole family who's supposed to be the ones that's motivating you and and saying, okay, if you're gay, not me. If you're gay, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a rapper, if you want to be a slut, I don't know. Like that's what. That should be what you want to do. Now, they should be able to get advice, but they shouldn't steer you away from the possibility. That's the thing about hubris. It's the idea and the possibility of you committing to something that you believe is true. And you have to realize that when you die, you're going to die with the regret of not knowing if it would have. What if? What if you wanted to be a rapper and you actually pursue... This is just real shit. I know everybody want to be a rapper and that's why you, they, they sell you don't be it. But what if Jay-Z listened to his uncle and said you'd never sell a million records? What do you say? I sold a million records like a million times. That he had to be humorous about it. He had to go against the grain. Mm-hmm. He had to believe in himself that he himself could change the universe for whatever it was into what he wants it to be. You have to find your spot and you have to go after it and mold yourself. That's 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 it. I, that's what really hubris is. And does that kind of tie into like the whole selfish thing too? Yeah. I mean, look, this understand this is something that you talked to me about is you believe self-centered is a is a self-centered is a better word. I believe selfish. I believe in turning something negative into positive. They say bipolar people or people with mental illnesses can't be successful, but go look down your fucking list. Because if you think those world of, of superstars or Hollywood celebrities are all fucking perfect, why do you think R. Kelly just pissing on people? <laughs> really? I'm serious. Like, you gotta do a comedian that just thought it was funny to run out and start, like, busting a nut on a girl. Like she in thinks public. she like no, it was like in the studio. Like she thinks she about to get some one on one coaching on her fucking shit. And he ah like is that ah is that really what ah, I just <laughs> like just imagine that shit. I mean, but right. this is and this is the crazy part. Like yeah, I, I just don't I don't I don't believe that man. I don't I don't I just want people to be who they are and and not be the R Kellys though. You know, it's certain shit that need to be changed. But let's also not critique R. Kelly because I guarantee you, we all knew this motherfucker was doing what he was doing. 
Oh, it like, was as 10 a society. Years, it was 10 right, years ago right, when I first heard right. about it. But what we chose to do is turn a blind eye to it, but we don't turn a blind eye to to Uncle Willie, who done molested your cousin and her cousin and her cousin. Right. But yeah. that's, you know. So is this thought process kind of something that you've always had, or did you grow into that? And if you grew into it, has it helped you? How has it helped you in your life? Because it sounds like you had said that first you were kind of trying to not necessarily pretend, but when you're trying to figure out who you are at that age, that's like an age thing, mm-hmm. right? So, like, how has that helped you when you kind of discovered, like, to think that way? Um, I think because I go through so many ups, and severe ups and downs, and I only have a small, you know, the type of bipolar shit that I have, I only have a small window of um, good moments, of up moments. And when I'm up, I'm the most productive, I'm the most focused, um, and I have to cherish those moments. But when you go to the downside, you know, it's... It's a fight. Yeah, it's a fight. So you cherish those those things, and I feel like... What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) How has thinking that way helped you? Oh, yeah. No, because... When I'm in those down moments, like I said, there's only I realized there was only one person that could get me out of it, and that had to be me. So I had to become my own best cheerleader. And I'm not going to keep saying, Nico, you fat. Nico, you a piece of shit. Nico, uh, you know, you, you just suck at this. Nico, you suck at that. Nico, you a failure at that. Like, what's, what good is that going to do me? So I had to literally change my whole thinking 160 on my own. I had to say, look, man, it's just you and it's you and me. That's, that's it. That's all we got. Everybody else is second, second to that because you know what you want. Now, I'm not, back to the whole selfish thing, I'm not selfish in the sense that I'm trying to harm other people because I know where my principles lie. I have good principles. I have good morals. But certain people are not going to be in that circle because they're toxic to me. And why I'm selfish in the benefit of, yeah, I don't know. Try not to get it. Okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> you are so goofy. No, it's going really good. Trust me. So I have heard this many, many times, and I've noticed it over and over and over, and I continue to see it, is that people's biggest struggles is what ends up motivating them in the positive way in the most. Like, I just listened to a podcast yesterday who this girl was talking about how she had a lot of stomach problems as a kid. She ended up being a gut health specialist, you know? It's yeah. like, this is constant. Like, I was raped and molested my whole life and now I'm a sexual health teacher I was this you know it's like all these it just seems to be so it's like it seems to be that whatever someone suffers the most through it actually ends up turning into be their biggest blessing well so my question is why do you want to help people succeed why do you want to do speaking and coaching like is it because of what you've been through like is is what do you find that true for yourself well I don't, I don't, I think the world does a good job of trying to put people in boxes. Mm. And because when you put people in boxes, it's black, white, this, that, then you start to build limitations on them. That's the first step. The second step comes to your family and your friends who tell you, you can't do this and you can't do that. So me growing up and having 
a lot of people tell me that, you know, you ain't, my, my principal literally telling me you ain't going to be shit. Um, we ran into him yeah. at the store the <laughs> last time we went there. You were very happy. Yeah. That you got to tell him how great you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he said. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be what shit. Did, yeah. yeah, you ain't going to mm-hmm. be shit, mm-hmm. you know, and. That's his, but I could have allowed that to be true. Mm-hmm. I could have allowed him to speak that onto, like, into my existence and say that's what it is. Like, damn, Mr. So-and-so said, hey, I ain't going to And be- hey, they're the principal, so right. they should know what they're yeah. talking about. You know? So I guess I should value their opinion. But he was hurting, I was hurting, whatever. That's nothing here and there. But um, I want to help people because I want to, I-, I love to see people win. When, like I said, when you only have a small window of positivity, when I'm sad, the only thing I figured out that helped me is to help others. Like when I take when I take my eyes off of myself, that's that selfish thing in a weird way. Yeah, because right? it helps others me happy. and it makes you feel yeah. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm saying my hubris come from helping others because I need to help people to make me feel good. I'm addicted to it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, if I'm not helping people, then I'm not serving a pur- That's just me. I'm not serving a purpose. But I do believe everybody goes through certain shit in life, and they view it as a weakness. If you, you know, been molested, I have. If you've been, you know, picked on, I have. If you deal from whatever it may be, uh, you lost somebody, um, and that's damaging you. Uh, you don't have your father in your life. You don't have if your mother in your life. If you're a female or a male. If you're a female, you're, you're a male. You gay. That. You fucking bi. You straight. You asexual. You be Whatever it may be. However you roll. Be comfortable in yourself. That's all I ask. Because there's somebody out there. This is what I'm realizing as I'm doing marketing. That there's somebody out there that understands what you're going through. Yeah. But you... And more than just one somebody. Right. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of fucking people. <laughs> yeah. And when you really understand that, you got to realize that... If I if I stay in Cleveland, if I stayed around the same people, I'm in the same fucking pot. That means my whole life I'm only getting nutrients from nothing. Right. How are this is real shit. Like when I met you, this is true shit. I knew I wanted to be with you because I've been around the world a little bit. <coughs> I also lived a life a little bit when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I knew what I wanted because I've been outside. I've been past my, my my driveway. You know, I've seen the world. A lot of people say that, and this is going to hurt a lot of people's hearts, and I have people looking at them like, damn. A lot of people marry who they marry, but they only marry who they marry because they choose to live in just this bubble. What if the person you're supposed to be married was Indonesia, like Indonesia or some shit? But you never took that one But you never, and then you spend your whole life, right, and then yeah. now you got men and women out here stuck with men, like, stuck with their significant others, and they fucking hate them. Because once that Twitter-painted stage ends, they realize, I actually don't like this person that much. But they, but that's what I'm saying. So that's why you still have to be selfish in a sense. I want to help people. Like, if you're not happy in your marriage, it could be one of two things. Maybe you put the wrong energy into the universe. Or maybe it's some shit that y'all need to change and stop being petty and grow the fuck up. Yeah. I want to help people succeed. So, you know, reach a full potential on whatever they want. Because there, there is a way, you know. Well, kind of going back to that, the principle telling you that, you know, you weren't going to turn into anything. I find that people are far more negatively motivated than positively motivated. Like for me in my fitness journey, I mean, I, it's been on and off my whole life. But I was very negatively motivated by that 
um, personal trainer that mm-hmm. told me, oh, yeah. oh, you're going to need a lot of help. Genetics are not in your favor. You're going to struggle. It's going to be hard for you. And I look at him every day and I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, I love seeing him, you know, because yeah. for me, that really motivated me. Um, but, um, speaking of like just all of that stuff, like, so you say you want to help people and that's kind of your passion because you were negatively motivated by some bad stuff that have happened to you. Yeah. But tell me why for all the skeptics and the highly big thinkers and all that kind of people out there, why should anyone listen to you? You don't have a degree in psychology. You don't have, um, a degree in whatever like you don't have any professional licensure that says that you're qualified by the government or some establishment that made a lot of money off of you to say to give you one piece of paper why why should somebody listen to anyone that doesn't have what do you think about um people that want to give advice but they don't have technically professional credentials to back them up This is why I don't like schools. Um, well, to start my experience, I, I'm going to be real fucking honest. Like I say, when you go through the shit I went through, and if I can master what I mastered in myself to be where I am and continue to grow, you don't mean to tell me as somebody who went through some shit that I went through? Many, many. It's so so what's People think t- they're alone and they're not. Right. So, not. so. Everybody want to say this whole thing about, oh, where's your certificate in this? Where's your certificate in that? Where's your certificate in this? And where's your, where's your experience in this? I'm right, not sitting up here. Read a book. Right. I'm not trying to sell you or, or, or talk to you about, you know, being bulimic or some shit. I'm talking about being depressed. I'm talking about being suicidal. I'm talking about shit that I experienced and how I overcame them and how you can too. I don't need to sell you on fucking what I learned from somebody who I don't even fucking know. And you were able to overcome that stuff by finding resources that are, right, you know, right. like finding books, find, studying things. Right. But it wasn't just, it's just not an establishment that put it all together and said, here, Listen, if this you is, do this. Right. So understand this, that like I said, when I grew up, there wasn't no such thing as bipolar. I knew something wasn't right with me. So I grabbed a fucking book that said psychology. Yo, I stole it from the library. I stole that shit, but don't worry. But I stole that shit. I stole that shit from the, on psychology and was talking about mental disorders. And it said bipolar. I read that whole fucking book. And I was like 12 years old. <coughs> so you can't mean to tell me. I mean, I maybe not. I didn't grasp all of what I was reading. But I knew, holy shit, this is what I have. I self-study. You go back and you look at how education really was fucking formed and the old school ways of philosophy. It was because great men sat down and they debated ideas and we're all fucking scared to debate ideas because we're scared to get hurt. Back then, knowledge in school wasn't fucking in some book in some lecture. It was back and forth conversations with intelligence. $100,000 too. I mean, eventually they sca- and then now they scale it up. How and, to make yeah, money off of that? Yeah, they categorize it. They put it in a fucking bubble, when you have to be into the end. I don't believe that anymore. It's a new wave coming where your experience can speak. If you've, you know, lost weight, like well, your plus story. Plus, there's the internet. Right. I mean, come on, man. I don't need to pay for this shit. Like, Why do I need to pay somebody to tell me how I should feel? So, like, for when you and I were really going through a, a tough time a couple of years back, I, I want to say we read fifty. 50 plus yeah, books yeah. Um, from credible sources. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it just wasn't a, a, a big establishment that made a lot of money of um, off of us that said, read this, 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 and this, mm-hmm. and then I'll give you a piece of paper saying you did it um, because you have proof that you did it. Um, but we read ridiculous amounts of books, many on relationships, mental stability, you know, mar- like just parenting, like everything that we really struggled well, with. And we came out so much different. Yeah. And look at us now. Like, we barely fight anymore. Yeah, we do. I, I think, though, also, I will say this. I think we both looked at life and said, you know what? I want this. You want that. And we both matured together. You know? Because we're stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted what we yeah. wanted. We're willing to put through it. Even yeah. though I want to chop your head off occasionally. Whatever. Okay. More than okay. occasionally. <laughs> I got Why you. Why'd you point to the sky like know. he's dead now? Is OJ dead? I don't even know. No. Oh, that might be dead. Crazy. <laughs> but anyways, no, man. Um, I, I think another huge thing, though, is me having a family has changed me. Um, It's crazy because when I was eight years old, I used to tell people all the time, because I analyzed shit even back then, I used to tell people, man, you having kids, because that's how it is. You know, when you grow up in the hood, you had kids early. Yeah. And babies have babies. <clears throat> a lot of people would use that as excuses of why they couldn't succeed. And I'm like, no, you just choose a bitch out. Like, it's supposed to be harder. Yeah, you taking care of another fucking mouth and another personality. I knew this at eight years old. So you look at it now, I'm like, it's hard as fuck, but we're not giving up and we're still making strides. Like, so, we literally have a two-year-old that fought to go to bed tonight so we could do this. And we spill shit all over the carpet. I mean, you you understand, like, when you're done, you don't want to do shit. But our drive is what really pushes us right. to just do shit even when we don't want to do shit, you know. But And that's a muscle that can be built because I wasn't, I'm not always that way. I'm not going to sit for and cap. Like, I always have good days. And a lot of people, that's another thing, too. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm speaking so much about this hubris thing is because... It's also allow yourself to show your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I believe that's important that's to show we do. your weaknesses. Glass house living, living in the glass house, talking about yeah. the worst part. Like that's why for me, like I show my cellulite, I show my weight gain, I show that I screwed up my diet, I show I, all that stuff. I, look, because for, for any entrepreneur out there, Gary Vee talks about waves, and not as a, as a black man, as a motivational speaker to cuss. I was told that I wasn't going to make it because that's a white man privilege. Fuck that shit. I'm going to build my own audience. We're going to build our own audience and we're going to fucking do it. I was very disappointed to hear that. It was from someone that's higher up in this industry. They told you that you can't cuss because there are white people like Gary Vee who can cuss because they're white. But because you're black, you can't do that. I got to be cookie cutter. Fuck that shit. No, I believe you can build your own shit. Like I said, there is an audience for you. I'm good at what I do. So I'm building my fucking team now, and we're going to do shit our fucking way, the hubris fucking way, where we don't allow society to control us. We find our mark, and we leave it. That's it. That's it. That's what hubris is. It's not something that I just create. It's in all of us. Whenever whenever a girl get dressed up and she step in the club... I ain't even gonna lie. Look, this is real shit. She got her fashion (laughs) over shit. She got her gym shark shit when she in the gym. And she walking around, she strutting. Yo, that's hubris because she feeling herself and she in herself. Like, that's being in love with yourself. That's self-love. And they got you scared to love yourself. I feel like I'm like that and that's part of why you liked me. Is that I just walk into a room like... (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, 
Look, man, and they try to do this whole thing, and this is what I believe. I'm I'm kind of flashy, and I'm kind of outlandish, and I kind of joke, and I kind of be loud. And they say if you're a loud person and you have insecurities, what if you just naturally want to be fucking loud? What if you feel so good you want to scream and let the whole world know, but this shh. Right. Shh. We out in public. You see how they got you controlled? I have the, I have the, I'm still deprogramming myself because my son, yo, A-Ron, you already know how he is. Oh my God. <laughs> this boy is like overly talkative. He's kind of hubris if you think he about is. it. He is. He be feeling himself. I mean, he don't care. He just like, you tell him no, he finds another way, which is great. Yeah. As a parent, it's kind of like, Oh I know he's gonna be a salesman. <laughs> right. He's gonna sell sand to someone stuck in the desert. <sighs> he is good, but um, yeah, he is very, very, um, very hubris. But I don't want to. I don't want to take that away from him, man. He is. He is full of life, and full of positivity, and. Like, unrealistic positivity. But we instill that in him, too, though. Right. Like, every time something negative happened, we would just be like, but at least, blah, blah, blah. And now he's kind of take that on to where he looks at the positive in the worst situation. You got to. And that's, I think that's also, too, if you're going to have this mentality, if you're going to be successful, um, you got to learn to really be, like, it's be your own best cheerleader. So you got to find the good in situations. Sometimes I ain't gonna lie, that shit not gonna come. So what I say when we start saying, well, it's gonna make sense eventually. Cause it always ends up making sense. Yeah. You look back at things and it all comes together. So it's really weird how yeah. it kind of goes. Like what Will Smith said, like the universe is like water. Right. Like you know, it kind of bends for you. You yeah. know. I I don't I just, uh, wrap it up. Sorry, one more time. Um, no, you're fine. That whole thing about that question about certificates, I believe it has its place because knowledge is important and there are certain things that you need to know. But in the field that I'm in, I don't need a fucking expertise on marketing. I understand people. Am I going to sit there and listen to some generic ass ABCD of marketing or I'm going to understand fucking trends? I already understand funnels and I didn't need to go fucking pay $1,000 for it. What I did that was smart, I found somebody who did and I got that information. It's networking. Henry Ford. That's Henry Ford. Yeah. So, I've talked a little bit about your past. I've asked you a little bit about your present. The last thing I want to ask you is about your death. Because um, I feel like, for me, my death motivates the hell out of me. I feel like I think about I'm going to die tomorrow. Because you really seriously never know. And growing up where you grew up, you especially kind of know that. But... For me, I'm just like, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Like, how many people have you been following on, um, like, Instagram or Facebook, and um, the next day they're not there no more? And they had no plans or intentions of being dead the next day. They were supposed to go to the club with their friends. Um, And that, the more and more and more and more I see that, the more I'm like, shit, that could happen to me. And I just, for me, I want to make sure that everything I, when I go to sleep at night, I did everything I could do that if I died, I would be happy, not with where I ended up because I know I always want to be further, but um, that I put everything I could up to the day that I had. And I want to kind of ask you about that. Like, does your death motivate you? And what, if you could decide like what do you want to have accomplished by the time that you have died and 
um, just a little bit about your own mortality. Okay, so the hubris in me. Um, I want a statue built of me. Um, a lot of people will say, like, oh, that's egotistical. Why would you want you making it all about you? But I'm like, no, you don't understand because in order for a statue to get built of me as a black man, because that, that will be a truth, an unfortunate truth that the society will say, first black man or second black man to have a statue built of him. The reason why this is important is because it's the amount of people that I helped. You don't get statues built of you because you gave your cousin $20 to go down the store, you know, go to the store or get gas money. Right. You get statues built of you because you had significant impact on the world. And um, that's what ties into my whole version of death. I fear my death more because me being... um, (laughs) Me being um, bipolar and having these things and having the suicidal thoughts in and out, um, some stronger than others. And I always feel like if it's not, to be honest, suicide that gets me, um, I, I would prefer to be assassinated. Because assassination means that you really, <laughs> you really had to have significant impact that scared the opposite um, of good and uh, to take you out. So I don't know. I feel like all the greats um, were assassinated. And if I have to be assassinated so that um, multiple kids and multiple people um, can believe in themselves and spark some change, um, and I'm, I'm, I mean, that's, that would be the most glorious of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's like Leonidas, man, at 300, like he could have, he could have retreated and went back. He could have been a messenger. He could have been, he was the fucking king, but where did he die? What was the message he sent? If, if think about it, if Leonidas never stayed, if the 300 said, fuck it, you know what? We gonna let it happen. And that's why you're Huber's 300, by the way. Yeah, that actually is true. That is why. <laughs> yeah, that the, the, the 300 portion comes from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's remembering that it's, it's those few people that choose to lay down their lives um, for, the, for the better good, even if it's against the norm. Actually, the 300 was pretty hubris because they knew they had thousands. They only had 300 of them. Yeah. But they knew they had thousands to battle against and they killed them all. Yeah. Because they're obviously trained and worked really hard, but because they believed in that, because they thought that way. Well, that's that's also you perfecting your craft too. Like, um, I'm hubris because like I'm really good. I didn't go into a field that I was shaky about. Um, I went into a field that I was natural at. Like, what do he say? Wait, what do he say? What's your profession? Oh, I'm a teacher. I'm a carpenter. What's your pro- <gasps> <gasps> Nigga, we train to go. That's why they had 4,000, but only about 200 of them were actual fighters. You know, and then, the, oh, dude, we had a, see, and that, they were that's easy just, to take yeah. out. That were the pawns. Yeah. <laughs> and you can build that at any time, though. It, it doesn't have to start when you fucking a baby all the way up to you, a grown man. You know what? Ready to battle thousands. Um, it happens. It happens when you get tired. 
you got to think about it. They were already, the, the forces in 300 were already pushing against them, the Persians' repression. He could have he stopped at any time and said, you know what, we can't do it. He went against the gods. Do you understand this? He went against the gods, the omens, to make this work. Mm-hmm. So you have to be willing to go against everything. That means your parents, your mothers, if you believe in something. Now, this is the truth. Leonidas could have died for nothing. But did he die knowing that there was a higher possibility because he tried what he knew was best in his heart. Right. That's, that's, I, I, so in a sense, um, I'm, I'm in fear of my death. I'm not, I'm not motivated by my death. I'm more in fear of my death in fear of. You won't get enough done before. I won't get enough done. Yeah. I feel like no matter how much you do, you probably will always feel that way if you're a very super motivated person there's always more to do i mean i feel like you know i'm trying to assemble this team of of like-minded thinkers but you know that's that's the problem you can't to have big visions you need a big team yeah and um well for me like i was um i'm not scared of dying i am i am as much as i can say i've accepted it who can really say they've accepted it but that being said, even recently, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of pissed that I'm going to die because I really want to know how technology looks in like 200 years. Right, yeah. And I'm not going to see that shit. Yeah. And that kind of pissed me off. Like, <laughs> I want to be involved. Like, <laughs> why are you going to take that from me? Like, then again, if you believe in reincarnation, maybe I'll be back. Who knows? Um, but um, my last question for you is, um, do you have anything to add that you want to talk about that's pertaining to hubris on the top of your mind? Or um, if not, how would you like to be remembered? How, um, yeah, just kind of what else is there that you might want to say or maybe even past um, your demise? <laughs> well, I, I'm learning now that I don't have control over everything. Um, and that's hard for me. It's the hardest thing that I'm learning is that I do not have control over everything because that's what gets me very depressed. Um, I want to see people do better, but I can't. Um, I can't physically make them, you know. You can lead a horse to water. Um, but if, if there would be anything that I would want to be remembered for, it's just being an idea Man, if I die, I just want people really... It, it actually really bothers me more when I see people for... A, you know, you, I talk to a lot of people. And when you see them get excited, that just that little window, five minutes of talking about their dreams and their passions. Mm, yes. That right there. They that light five, up. They light up like little kids on Christmas Day. It's, it's really that serious. They really do. And then in the next, that's that, that that's right. And then that six minute mark, this is what hurts. They realize the life that they're never going to go after. Yeah. But at any time you can, there's people that's 50, 40 and 60 that I'm, I love because like they, they decide to say, you know what? Fuck it. I think when you get closer to death, some people need to actually get closer to death. To get more motivated. Well, there's a large list of people who didn't even start until they were in yeah. their middle age or older. Like, 
Ray Kroc, yeah. like Kentucky Fried Chicken, yeah, like all these people who the didn't list, start you know? till later. Yeah. And and I just want people, I want to represent that idea that it's never too late. If you are alive, if you ain't pushed that end button um, or it wasn't pushed for you, um, you got time. Like you, you can, you can adapt and you supposed to accept. I want people to be comfortable. This is the last thing. I want people to be comfortable with failure and misfortunes. I think people are so scared to fail in front of themselves and they're not understanding if you don't fail, you'll never know how to succeed. You have this process of elimination. If you go through your whole life thinking one plus one is three because you never turned in your homework to the teacher and she put that X through it and it's going to hurt and she's going to write that right answer, you're going to keep thinking one plus one is three. Right. You're killing yourself. Right. So then you go one plus one equals three and you try to build a fucking house and the house comes crashing down on you. That's natural selection. So by you possibly not going after what you want, you're killing yourself. I don't want to see that anymore. So, yeah. You just want to represent that idea. Yeah. That makes sense. And if you do kill yourself during the process of chasing your dreams, it's a glorious death. (laughs) 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 But that's basically speaking it. So, I don't know. I think that that went very nicely. I think you got a very good message across. And I think that that it really is how you think. And um, I appreciate that, and I've learned a lot from you. We've learned a lot from each other because I'm was kind of a 180-degree opposite of that. And um, you've kind of learned a little bit of mine, and I've learned a little bit of yours, and we have a nice little yin-yang kind of thing going. Um, and I really appreciate that because there's some changes that have happened in my life due to kind of how you are that have really freed me. Yeah. Um, and vice versa. So we can talk about the vice versa another time. But other than that, um, please follow us on all of our platforms. Um, Instagram, he was 300. Yeah. Instagram, Calypso Tough dot fitness. And there is a rough spelling on that. So I'll put it on the notes. Um, <laughs> and I'm still doing my cutting plan. So if you guys want to get started, come on in. Right. <laughs> Go check it out. Um, we're going to get fit for the summer. It's still only March. you got plenty of time. Um, we have this on many different platforms like Anchor and um, iTunes, iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, all of that. Um, Um, We have it on uh, Stitcher as well. And please let us know what you want to hear from us. Let us know what you don't like from us. Um, We take all of that information into account and truly appreciate your time and hope that you have mentally grown from every episode that you hear from us in some way or another right so um we will talk to you in two weeks Ah.